Welcome to Welcome to Primetime, a show covering the Freddy Krueger-hosted anthology series Freddy's Nightmares, one episode at a time. I'm Brennan Klein. Every episode is brought to you by listeners who donated to the Okra Project. Donations are now closed, so thank you so much to everybody who contributed. This week's patron is Robert Prudhomme, and our guest, returning champion, it's horror novelist Aaron Dries. Welcome back to welcome to welcome back to welcome to prime time. Thank you very much for having me. And Brennan, are you okay? <laughs> Absolutely not. We're, uh, tell, <laughs> we're, we're, tell me we're, where you're at. <laughs> uh. I recorded a couple episodes, or I recorded one episode ahead of time, a little out of order. So I currently have 10 episodes left of this show, and frankly, the end cannot come soon enough. I got, yeah. I've got so much shit going on in my life, and most of it is good shit, but like, it it is constantly, it is me just in the rapids, and I keep hitting the rocks, and those rocks are Freddy's Nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you're Meryl Streeping in the River Wild. Uh, <laughs> that's the analogy of you going through this journey. And what a journey it's been. It has been. And, I mean, I'd rather be Meryl Streep in Music of the Heart just shoving little girls into walls. <laughs> Which is the one scene <laughs> I remember from that movie where she's trying to, like, show a girl good stance. But the girl, like, has crutches and she just slams into the wall. <laughs> <laughs> that Meryl Streep, ableist as AF. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, it's that. What a movie. Um, I love. I love that there is a, a completely superfluous jump scare in Music of the Heart. Do you remember that? Good old Wes Craven just couldn't couldn't control himself for five minutes. I don't know that I do remember that. What what are you what scene? Um, look, it's it's essentially your typical Wes Craven jump scare, only it doesn't have the musical sting attached to it. Uh, Meryl Streep kind of walks in and, like, somebody's right behind her and she jumps. She basically gets a little scream in there. And it's like, oh, gosh, don't do that to me. So it basically serves the exact same function and execution as a jump scare in any other Wes Craven film, only it lacks the violins, so to speak, which is fitting, I guess, considering the content of the film itself. Yeah, which provides all the violins you'll ever want. So much violins and and kids being <laughs> forehead slammed into hard surfaces. It's truly, it, I you know, it's cruel of me to say this, but it's so funny. It Just, is really funny, the, and if you the, want, the we can skip is... this episode altogether. <laughs> Just talk about music of the heart. <laughs> oh yeah, and obviously, I'm not advocating for the torture of children of any kind but the the kind of like accidental terror that meryl streep wreaks upon these children is really amusing to me like from the it's... perspective of like holy shit meryl streep what are you doing yeah i know and based on a true story i wonder how the real life meryl streep feels about this <laughs> i don't know um probably great because she's played by meryl streep in a movie that was almost yeah, called fiddle fest was it really almost called Fiddle Fest? Yes, it was. Really? Yeah. That is a movie. That is a that is a movie of a very different kind. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, should, there'd be a lot more uh, making out with Angela Bassett. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. And speaking of uh, mistreated uh, things, that's a pretty good segue into Monkey Dreams. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. Yeah, we're talking about this fucking episode, season two, episode nine, Monkey Dreams. Which I've been morbidly curious about what the what the hell that might mean. Um, 
original air date December 3rd, 1989. Here's what you could have watched instead. Um, it's National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I've heard of that. Mm. I uh, I actually watch that every year with my family at Christmas time. I know the entire damn thing off by heart. Yes, I am that person. Are you watching it because of them? Like, would if you weren't with them? I mean, if like in a vacuum, would you still like like it and watch it? It's gone too far. I can't not have it. Um, if I don't do it, there's some sort of um, associated guilt that like ripples through <laughs> me. It's like some sort of like bastardized Catholic guilt, maybe because <laughs> I'm a very terrible lapsed Catholic and have no religious affiliation whatsoever. But if I don't watch um, <laughs> National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation with my family, I'm pretty much convinced I'm going to hell. And that's the only thing in your life that would ever make you think that. Um, that's, <laughs> that's very right. special. No, you had to translate your Catholic guilt to something, uh, uh, to a language that you could speak, which is movies. Yeah, which is just Chevy Chase in general, you know. Ha. Um, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, the writer of this episode is Michael Kirschenbaum. He wrote some episodes of Dennis the Menace and He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. So that's that's something. Um the director is Robert Englund. This is his second and final episode behind the camera on this show. Um, what a what a one to pick. Um, yeah. And <laughs> thank you. Old... Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, hey look, hey look. He he directed. Um, what was the film? Not is it nine seven six evil? Is, evil. That, is it was that before or after this? That's a good question. I think it must have been before at this point in the 80s. I think yeah, it was like yeah. 86 uh, or 87. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Can you imagine like the day where you are a creative and you're like, I want to make a movie. And they're like, have you done anything? And you show them an episode of Monkey Dreams and you're like, I am fully equipped to take on a feature length film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why. Yeah, he, he didn't make a lot of features afterwards, perhaps. Although yeah, I wouldn't yeah. I, I wouldn't say the directing is wrong with this episode. No, no, no. And and hey, and nothing against 976. Uh, you know, I actually quite like that movie. It has a color palette and tick in my book. Um, and this one, it has a couple of little moments. There's, a, there's some wonky, wonky uh, hallway footage that I'm always yes. here for. Yeah, but we will get to that. Um, but it's, you know, it's actually, there's some moments in here, which is nice. But on a, on a story level, oh my word, this was written by monkeys. Oh, yeah. I mean, they look those monkeys on the typewriters. They're busy writing Hamlet. This was not written by monkeys. That's an insult to the monkeys. This is like that monkey that was shot into outer space, and it's like, do you know what? They've got some drugs in my system, and I'm just gonna William S. Burroughs it on the side, <laughs> on the side of the ship, and it's been found by aliens and transcribed into made-for-TV 1980s television, and this is the end result. <sighs> It, yeah, well, well, let's just get there. Well, first of all, um, the only cast member I want to highlight is, as Dr. Lynch, Sherman Howard, who's Bub from Day of the Dead. Oh, my God. Is it? I yeah. knew I knew him from somewhere. Um, I know him from somewhere else. For some reason, I, I, I don't know. I feel as though he's played the exact same character somewhere else. But, wow, so he's Bub. That's cool. Yeah, he's he's got more hair and more um, living flesh. Yeah, yeah, he does. He does. We We should all hope to be so lucky yes we should but let's go into the transitions are not happening just i'm at i'm at the end of my rope aaron okay so we're we're are we're opening on this kind of like 
smoky gambling poker table. Um, they really want to be the sting. There's a very fake, like, royalty-free, the entertainer kind of playing in the background. Yeah. Um, there's this dream. This guy is like, yeah, I'm really good at poker. This sexy lady is lighting my cigar. And then he wins the game, and they're like, I think you're cheating. And he's like, I never cheat except on her. Men, men, men are the worst. But then he shoots them all. <laughs> and the lady also has a knife, and I don't know why she has it because she doesn't use it. <laughs> She she does nothing with it whatsoever. And also, just saying, I don't understand poker. Do you have to be smoking cigarettes in order to play? I don't understand what it means. Well, see, I I wouldn't know because you also have to be straight in order to play, and I haven't I haven't been allowed. Yeah, I, I have not got my um, <laughs> my pass. I'm not passing. <laughs> yeah, I will. I, I'll, I'll play some Phase Ten. I'll play some Go Fish. I'm poker I'm is kind a of on me. I'm a really good Uno player, so um, I'm Ooh. I'm good at I'm good at basic color coordination. No, well, that you know that's kind of that that's part of the package, I think. I think so too. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, this oh, surprise, surprise, this is a dream. Um, but there's this uh like kind of big like sexy kind of hunk of bear kind of man who's coming to collect money that he owes to this some sort of nebulous gambling company. <laughs> This guy is huge. Oh yeah, he is huge, and he owns the screen. Um, yeah, so basically, oh, there, he also has a really funny moment where he's in the middle of menacing this uh, this guy whose name is something that I wrote down. Uh, Joe. Lynch? Joe. Oh, Joe. Joe. Yeah. yeah. And also, he's played by an actor named Joe Callie, who has done nothing else. But so I think it's a fake name. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> um. But yeah, so he's menacing Joe, um, but then he, he, I don't remember if he, no, he, he calls his wife, right? Or does she call yeah. him? Yeah, I think, I think he calls his wife to let her know that he's going to be late home for dinner. And then for a minute, this Hulk of a, of a man, unfortunately thinks that he's in this kind of Elmore Leonard novel in which like, you know, a hitman loan shark can have a little offside commentary like this and it not seem completely incongruous to the rest of the entire piece but unbeknownst to him he's in an episode of freddy's nightmares and boy does it stick out like dog's balls basically <laughs> it does but in a way that i really appreciated because it was adorable so he's basically like yeah i'll pick up cat food yes the good stuff see you later honey and then he's like all right back to the you know pointing a gun at your face and demanding money <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's great yeah it's wonderful and then freddy has to you know break in and do his piece um he's basically like oh the stakes have been raised joe can't get by me without getting slashed something something piece of the action and like you're really we're we're beyond trying at this point <laughs> oh look hey look somebody's getting paid somebody's getting paid that's true and it's not me <laughs> mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. but yes so back to the lab well not not even back to the lab or well whatever there's a lab um this guy joe he's somehow a scientist he just got a grant to try and decipher he got a grant from jpl the jet propulsion laboratory in california where i live um, um to try and decipher this like garbled space noise and see if it has alien transmissions inside of it Look, I want you to know, Brennan, that you are just as equipped to run and operate this grant and execute it uh, as Joe is, because my word, this makes no sense whatsoever. There's a sequence in here where they're just like throwing buzzwords around like extraneous, 
uh, man hours voyager grants and i'm like <laughs> you are stitching this together and it is only just holding together but we do have a chimp we have a chimp and when i started watching this episode i have my notes and looking back on it right there's like pages and pages of notes but the first one is there better be a monkey in this and so i'm happy i'm happy now yeah there is a monkey and he's a very good monkey actor um it, i think it's actually meryl streep again <laughs> <laughs> yeah what, what was she doing in the late 80s not too much not too much it was just between mike nichols films she played winston the monkey in freddy's nightmares <laughs> oh my god okay yes okay so um he has one of those magic 80s computers that can do literally anything um so he he basically all he does is like feed some space noise into the computer and it's like on the screen it just says transmission translation not required random space noise and it's like okay how can how does how does he know <laughs> yeah um, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. And, of course, Joe falls asleep because that's what we do here. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, he um, dreams that his computer is like, we've studied Earth. We're ready for contact. And he sees, like, a little green alien ball floating in front of him. Um, it's very flat of which, the Which comes with... It is very flat of the navigator, but it also has no purpose and uh, does not come into play ever again, this floating green orb. It's like Carl Sagan meets, you know, David Bowie's balls in, in Labyrinth, basically. <laughs> it just it has no it has it has no place in yet every place in my heart. Yeah, I mean it's I'm glad they did something different. We've never had like something this sci fi on the show, but then it just goes away. Um Yeah. Yeah, and basically there's a power outage in his dream, and then the 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 lady scientist who's also in his kind of lab space gets like dragged away by the the bear collector dude. Uh, of course, it's a dream. So who literally who gives a shit? Um, mm -hmm. Then Millie comes in. Millie is a character who, according to this script and the multiple times they say it, is Joe's sister. But they definitely want to fuck. They're yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was getting. Married. Yeah, yeah. I was getting some uh, sleepwalkers vibes, incest vibes from these two. <laughs> Remember sleepwalkers, the mother and the mother and son, kinky. I'm a cat person, but we're gonna fuck. Uh, you know, movie. Uh, and I was getting the exact same vibes from these two and that relationship. I'm thinking Christmas at their place is a really interesting time of the year. Um, oh yeah. yeah. They, they're like, we need no mistletoe to make out. Uh, we, we're, we're just close. And it's like, you know, it might be a white Christmas, but it's hot in here. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But I'm glad you got those vibes, too, because they they clearly introduce her with, like, expository dialogue that, you know, is like a sledgehammer. They're like, hey, it's your brother. Hi, Millie, sister of mine. And in my notes, I literally was just like, all right, so his wife comes in. <laughs> Yeah, I literally wrote down wife and then scratched it out and I wrote sis next to it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that is what the screenwriter did as well, I think. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. It's just, um, she's, I don't know, maybe I'm doing, I'm not doing siblings right. I don't understand. Maybe it's, maybe I'm the one that's just not doing it right and everyone else, this is the relationship that they have with their siblings. I think, I don't think, look, I think the amount of you rubbing your brother's bare chest that you're currently doing is probably mm -hmm. the right amount. Okay, good, good. I'm glad we checked this because, you know, I just, I, I'm just glad. 
<laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and we'll we'll get to that. Don't worry. Um, but first we get the the title drop. She's like, "Oh, you and your monkey dreams." And it's like, "Excuse me, ma'am. What?" <laughs> Um, but she's like, oh, remember this bedtime story that our mom used to tell? And again, when she says our mom, I feel a kind of thrill of revulsion up my spine because I, it, it, it just reminds me that they're related. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but she's like, yeah, this monkey had everything, but he still wanted to be king and he lost everything he had. So basically it's saying, you know, you got big dreams, but then she's like, I can't keep giving you money. You and me is over. And I'm like, his sister is breaking up with him. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's, it's again, you know, <laughs> they're, they're fucking, they're absolutely having sex. Yeah. And then he, he convinced, like, he finally starts getting like some sort of space transmission or some sort of transmission. And he's very excited. And some, for some, oh, for some reason he can't just do it himself. So he gets his sister to, to skive off work for a couple of days and help him out. Um, and when she agrees to help, he kisses her on the cheek as you do. That's fine. You know, yeah, that's but like, okay. but it's just, it's also loaded at this point. Mm-hmm. And also so I, I just, it's, it's, it's later revealed that this entire research facility is trying to find a cure for cancer. What is he doing? <laughs> what is going on here? Him and his monkey dreams. He's just trying, he's living his best monkey life. He is. There is actually a moment when the sister is sitting down, like doing all the work and he's sitting on his desk, almost in a monkey-like, like a monkey-like pose. Um, maybe I'm just reading into it too much. <laughs> I don't think there's, I don't think that's possible. Like, th- th- <laughs> there's a lot of depth here. England knew what he was doing. Yeah, yeah. He's he's he he's. Uh, it's an assured hand. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of, this is one of his best scenes um, coming up. Of course, there's another fucking nightmare. Um, the the goon steals Millie and he's dragging her down this hallway of lamps that are swinging like mad, mm-hmm. um, just back and forth over his head. And then there's a part where like he's dragging her through these kind of metal double doors and her bloody arm is like trapped in between two of them. And it's pretty intense. Yeah, it's actually a really, really great sequence. We've got that whole um, force perspective, you know, vertigo, jaws zoom in shot happening in in reverse angle, you know, shots, and that's it's it's really quite good. I love those lamps. The lamps are amazing. That's a really. I literally think when I look back at this <laughs> this entire episode, my number one points are it has a monkey, and the the lamps are great. I mean, that's, look, you get what you need out of these episodes. <laughs> um, but I completely agree. The, the the lamps are for sure the thing that I'm thinking about. Because I watched this a day ago, and they're the scene that, like, has really struck with stuck with me in my mind. Um, and I think that he maybe l- learned something from being on set with Wes Craven in the sense of, like, how to create a dream that feels uncanny in a way that is actually dreamlike. Yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, I make fun of this, but there are actual little moments here where I'm like, I can see that uh, England is taking this seriously or is trying to, and I can actually see him, I have visions of him directing the actors like, this is like the real in-depth motivation of this character and this is what we're going to do. And then, you know, <laughs> Mike DeLuca and everyone and, and Rob Shea just like, here are, th- here are three dollars make it happen that's all <laughs> yeah. you get three dollars <laughs> and, and so i kind of have a and it's the same thing for the entire series i have a, a a great affection for this show and its ambitions but sometimes the execution is just a little lacking how about that for diplomacy yeah and 
yeah, I think there's no other way to put that. Lacking <laughs> is true, but you know, they, they're doing their best. They're doing their best. Um, he does wake up. The goon guy shows up again. He crushes his hand, which hot. Um, and then, so now he's trying to translate his, his things with this giant, like metal cast on one hand. Um, and basically cross, it's ridiculous. It, it looks like scotch tape and post-it notes <laughs> that they've fashioned together into a brace of some kind. They didn't have time. They're trying to translate this code from the aliens because yeah, they've managed to translate it into English letters, but they keep seeing like this random scramble of letters, but just NTO keeps repeating over and over again. And they're like, oh, is this like, you know, some sort of designation code for aliens that we just haven't been able to decipher yet? So they're really, you know, trying to figure it out. Um, the goon comes back. Because, like, he should just stay here for all he's coming in and out. Like, just be efficient. <laughs> um, we we do learn that his name is Barney. Um, which he is looks great. like a Bar- He looks like a Barney, doesn't he? He does. And he, I can't believe that Joe is on first name terms with this random collector dude. Um, but he does point a gun at him, and then he's like, "I was born in the wrong century. I'm a riverboat gambler, and I don't know what that's supposed to mean." <laughs> I think it was just a way of shoehorning in an explanation for the completely out-of-place music in the open dream sequence. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, if you say so. Oh, and then um, Barney has probably the best line in the episode. He's like, you're a born loser, and you're going to die that way. (laughs) (laughs) Barney's a bitch. Oh, yeah, we we love Barney. Big, big fan. (laughs) Team Barney. Um, But, yeah, so... Oh, okay, so... He is pointing a gun at Barney, but he keeps getting distracted. He realizes that the computers have actually been linked together, and there's a glitch in the mainframe, yada, 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 computer stuff. Um, And the transmission he's been intercepting is actually Winston, the monkey, in the other room, just trying to type out his own name because he's a very smart science monkey. Uh, when you say it like that, I feel like you're selling this short. I was like, oh my god, they black christmas it. The transmission is coming from inside the university. I was like, no way. No way. This can't be real. <laughs> sorry, I, 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 I'm sorry I didn't access the excitement that I should have because it is a very fun <laughs> reveal. Um, and so, also good for so Winston. Stupid. Yay for Winston. I like Winston. Oh yeah, Winston is the second best character behind Barney and his wife. I want um, uh, a I want a every which way but loose remake with Barney and Winston uh, just going off into the sunset and just going on madcap at hijinks. That's what oh, I, I would one hundred percent watch that. Um. Oh, and then Joey does get shot in the back, and there's a very decent squib achieving this effect. Yeah. Um, but then as he's dying, he imagines his like basically like what he wants his life to be in the future and part of that involves his sister rubbing his bare chest while he's in a hugh hefner robe Mm. um and basically he's like yeah well i couldn't communicate with aliens but i found out how to talk to monkeys so i'm getting all these grants and stuff um and then he's like we're going to tanzania and i found a treasure map and it just a lot's happening Yeah, yeah. I uh, the directions I was expecting this episode to t- to take, um, Africa was not one of them. But sure, and certainly it. the the sheer amount of uh, jungle drums on the soundtrack were not something that it was entirely called for. I would say. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's gross. But then we see his his dying body twitching on his keyboard, and Freddy shows up again. He's like, our little story has a happy ending. He got a grant to see how fast worms can eat through his body. And then he's like, I cracked myself up, and I'm glad somebody does. Yeah. No, Freddy. No, not this time. <laughs> no. Um, so yeah, moving on. Basically, a character I don't think I've mentioned. No, no. Yeah, Sexy Lady Genie is there, and then Bub, um, who's playing Phil, her boss, is there. They're they are the ones doing cancer research on Winston the monkey. Um, right. But they accomplish this cancer research by electrocuting the monkey so that he's in a lot of pain. End of sentence. <laughs> Yeah, I don't really understand how science works, and I don't completely know if this show knows how it works either. It certainly doesn't, because they're like, well, cancer patients are in a lot of pain. And it's like, okay, so what are you, are you trying to relieve the monkey's pain? You're just hurting a monkey and then going home at the end of the day. I um, I, I really like Jeannie. Jeannie's like, you know, this fiery redhead. It's Jeannie, right? She She's the, yeah. the assistant, and she's like, Winston has feelings. Be yeah, nice Winston's to Winston. Smart. He typed his name. Yeah, look, I and uh, look, I won't get ahead of myself, but I, I'm here for Winston's journey throughout this. I really, really am. <laughs> oh God. Oh, it. This, well, okay, we'll get there. Um, Bob Kaplan from Science Discoveries comes in. He has an interview with Phil that Phil is not aware of, and Phil kicks him out. He's like, he's probably with one of those animal liberation fronts, and. Then Freddy again shows up, with remi- just constantly reminding us that this show is meant to have Freddy involved. Um, mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't need to experience, experiment on no dumb animals. I've been having such good results with the people. And then he taps his finger, his little fingers on a corpse. Look, at least this one makes sort of sense. It's not a good thing and I, it, it has no place here, but at least it's a coherent joke. That's it. Yeah. That's all I need is coherency. It- it feels much more crypt keepery. It's like, you know, just trying to make like a grim twist on what's happening in the episode. So good for him. Yep. And then now let's sell some cornflakes. And so we have our advertisement and we're back. <laughs> we are back. And Phil is having a dream. Um, those lanterns are this back is my at it. Fav- this is my favorite part. This is my favorite part of the entire episode, I think. <laughs> um, his his dream in the, the lamp hallway? Yeah, yeah, like in the way he's being lured along uh, <laughs> by this grant, oh. like this grant funding on the ground that keeps zooming ahead, and then he gets sucked up into I don't even know what's going on. Well, but he, again, he, like, amazing lamps. He goes okay, so yeah, there's a little folder on the ground that's labeled animal research grants um, that is being dragged by a string. He walks through this doorway and falls with his head into a bear trap, which is it's. An elaborate trap, but it, it's wonderful to look at. It's actually pretty good. And also, there are, there's a moment when he's walking through the corridor, and in the background, you can see somebody kind of run, like, from left to right. And I was like, was that Frankenfurter from Rocky Horror Picture Show? <laughs> I have never been more wrong. It was not Frankenfurter. <laughs> it it is was a not. Vague, it is a vague uh, cultural appropriation of sorts <laughs> featuring <laughs> featuring revelations that are yet to come. Yeah, well, it's... It, well, it's uh... He's dressed as a what what white people in the eighties would view as an African tribesman, but it's the white dude who plays Bob, just doing this. And it's like okay, um, 
And then this is the point where I start to worry that Phil is the main character of this half of the episode, and I don't know why this show just loves to follow the douche nozzle characters that they have set up in the first part and just, you know, see what they're up to. Yeah, I know. There was a point around when I came to that revelation. I was like, oh, no. How much longer has this got to go? <laughs> yeah, because th- there is a lot of genie in this part, but she she's not the lead, which is infuriating. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Phil is still sleeping at the lab because he was separated from his wife a while ago, but he's just been busy. And he's like, I don't like being alone. I guess I can still hear the animals if I'm here. And I'm like, okay, freak. Like, stop torturing yeah. them. Um, And then there's an actually legitimately extremely upsetting scene of them, like, doing the electroshock, like, torture on Winston the monkey. Um, and That this... is messed up. Yeah, and I'm not, like, I try not to be one of those people who's like, you know, in, in their fiction, like, if an animal dies, I I try not to take it as hard as a human die. Or, I don't know. It's just, like, there's a, there's a whole subsection of horror Twitter, and I am definitely talking about Ryan Larson. Um, but <laughs> it's like, oh, if the dog dies, I hate this movie. And I'm like, look, it's a horror movie. Things are going to die. It's fine. Like... Um, but this scene is very, very far. It is, it is grim. <laughs> it is. But I think you also need to remember that I too, like you kind of fall into the subset of people who are like, you know, if the dog's going to die, the dog's going to die. And I value human life as well. And I'm sad when all things suffer. Right. But when, yeah, of when course. the quality of, when the quality of the human characters are of this standard <laughs> and you are watching this monkey that knows no difference, writhe and pain on the ground, you're like, the most humanistic performance in this in this whole thing comes from the monkey itself. And it's really, really Meryl Streep just going for broke in, in <laughs> you know, in a, and I'm thoroughly impressed and disturbed by this sequence. Yeah, and this kind of sequence is why they invented those little like PETA things at the end of uh movies where it's like no animals were harmed in the making of this. Cause it was like, I kind of needed one of those for this episode because it was very realistic. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Look, and and for and for our listeners, they basically just like pump this monkey full of electricity, ramping up the the voltage to in, an insane degree. And uh, and uh, and Jeannie, Jeannie, who reminds me, I was like, who is that? She, it's not the same actress, but I'm like, who is she reminding me of? And I'm like, oh yeah, she reminds me of that character in Gremlins Two, the redheaded kind of you know business executive who's sexually harassing Billy all the way through <laughs> Gremlins yes. Two. Yeah, yeah. So she's uh, but she's um so fake sexual harasser from Gremlins Two, Jeannie she's really upset by this and uh and 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 wants to quit basically she's like you can't do this and i'm like go Jeannie. yes yeah and she's right and also it's not even like oh it's for the greater good because they're not gonna find the cure for cancer they're not trying they're just torturing a monkey that's all they're doing yeah um but yeah so basically she does leave um bob the reporter guy walks up to her and he's like you know asking her for an interview again, which is like, no, I won't be returning. And he's like, well, shouldn't you be trying to stop this if, if you don't agree with it? And she's like, oh, you are an animal rights person, aren't you? He's like, guilty as charged. <laughs> and the other thing that we need to make note of here so we don't lose the continuity of this complex plot is that uh, Lynch and Jeannie potentially had like some sort of like flirtatious relationship. 
as well it's alluded to that lynch maybe has a thing for her and if only they could like reconcile their differences about animal cruelty they might just have sex um like that that is in the periphery as well because he shows up at her place with with flowers at some point and is like crushed massively crushed um we're that is the next scene but first um phil does you know he he you know, sent the Bob Kaplan name to one of his friends to do some research and finds out that Bob was an animal rights person. And he gets, in the process, he has faxed Bob's headshot, which is a very moody, like, black and white piece. It's fully, uh, like, I was getting David Lynch, you know, Mulholland Drive vibes, like, this is the girl, you know? <laughs> it's, it's a full-on, it's a full-on, you know, 80s glamour shot. Oh, it's beautiful. And he's, he's and, a, and then he's a he handsome has, man. He has an offside. He's yeah, he's handsome, but he he also has an offsider whose headshot is <laughs> faxed through as well. And he is not handsome. He looks like he looks like Alice Cooper, <laughs> you know, to some degree. Um, and and I was like, oh, sad. <laughs> <laughs> we look. We can't all be Bob. We, um, we can't all be Bob. But yes, Phil does show up with flowers at Jeannie's door. You know, his his sorry for electroshocking the monkey that you love flowers. Um, <laughs> but basically, during his process of, like, trying to get her to come back to work and maybe get to fucking at some point, um, Bob walks out into the hallway and he's like, where's the sugar? And it's the middle of the day. I imagine he must have been, you know, making coffee still was the implication. But I was like, is he making cookies in her house? What is he doing here? <laughs> I think the the cookies are a metaphor for 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 doing intercourses. I don't exactly understand how it works, but I mean, yes, that. I guess this is in the boy next door universe of like I love your mother's cookies. Oh god, that that is the second most disturbing thing that about this entire experience. Uh, second only to electrocuting a monkey. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's a fair uh, rating. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so Phil has a sexy dream about Jeannie, um, and she's wearing, you know, like, librarian glasses, like, you know, in all sexy dreams. But they are perched so far on the tip of her nose that they're about to fall off and shatter. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But basically, they they start getting down in his dream, but she's like, she claws at his face, and she's like, oh, well, scratches are only pain level one. Wait till we keep going. And... She's like, I don't like you. And then she roars. And then she has a lion face. And she's like, because I'm one of them now. And I'm like, is them animals? I think them are the creatures from the Howling Three, the marsupials. That's because those were them <laughs> vibes I was getting. <laughs> yeah, it is It is not so much a lion, like a, a lion woman outfit as it is a, um, you know, sexy sorority lion outfit for a Halloween party. <laughs> Yeah, it is very, very um, party city. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. Um, she does agree to come back to work for reasons I can't begin to fathom. Um, but then they're, she's talking to Phil. And they're, first of all, they're walking down the middle of the street, and that was driving me bananas. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is, it is unsafe. But she's like, well, your dream about me was so filled with hate. And I'm like, wait, you told her about the sexy lion dream? Yeah, I would have, like, if I had that dream about you, like, we're close. But if I had that dream about you, I'd probably keep it to myself. <laughs> okay, maybe. Mm, between you and me, I feel like 
you would tell me. <laughs> Actually, but... that's a, that's a lie. I would. I, but if I was going to tell you, I would. I would ask you to psychoanalyze it in the middle of a street. No, but I would not because I always make a beeline for the sidewalk. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, we are not uh, coworkers who, and I have not just agreed to return to work with you. <laughs> this is not the time to drop that sexy lion bomb. <laughs> Um, oh, true. But yeah, basically, she's like, well, maybe in your dreams you're starting to identify with the animals. And he's like, ha! What a fool you are. Um, and basically, <laughs> they, they don't come to this agreement, but basically there's this tacit understanding that if she can get Winston to communicate and prove his intelligence, they will agree to stop the experiments. Um, and they both understand this telepathically, I guess. Sure. Um... <laughs> But basically, there's, there, he has a dream about him being strapped in the electric chair and, you know, being electrocuted and he's making monkey noises. Um, and he knows that tomorrow in the morning they're going to go to level five, which is the level of pain that will kill Winston the monkey. Um, and then he has another dream. This dude is doing nothing but going to sleep. He, is he um, narcoleptic? Can you like I, I'm not I, I don't want to presume that people who are narcoleptic can't find a cure for cancer, but he sleeps a lot. No, that, yeah, that's not to say that they can't. It's just that he does have there's something going on with him. Mm, mm-hmm. And also, this has nothing to do with narcolepsy, but he he again cannot find the cure for cancer because he's not doing science. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad like, you pointed that out. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just saying like you you can't find the cure for AIDS by frying ants with a magnifying glass. Like it's just not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. And I'm glad you made that distinction because I don't want it to be like you know you know those situations when young people watch movies like Good Will Hunting. They're like, when I grew up, I'm inspired. I want to be a janitor, or you know, uh, or people who watch this and like, oh wow, science seems a breeze. I could find a cure for cancer. So I'm glad we just kind of we're, we're making a statement across the board that this is not science, and uh, and and scientists are wonderful people, but this is not them. How about that for? that <laughs> that that sounds great i think i just had a stroke <laughs> that's okay I, you know just uh actually i i should i should re-up my my first aid knowledge on that because i have no advice how um, how on earth have you been doing this for so many episodes i really admire your dedication to sparkle motion i really do thank you aaron um <laughs> i just really the light is at the end of the tunnel now and that's really the only thing that's like i am doing this podcast so I can stop doing this podcast. Please, please take comfort in knowing that there's a moral to this story, okay? And we're almost there. There, There is. Um, basically, yeah, he has another dream. He has a dream from the monkey's perspective that the monkey starts saying, friend, friend. And he's like, oh, Genie was right. You should be free. And then the next morning, he's very, like, uh, end of a Christmas Carol Scroogeified where he's like, you know, kind of humming and Jeannie's like, wow, you're looking great. What's up? Have you realized that Winston is smart? And he's like, nope, still going to murder him today. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that. Yeah, he is a psychopath. Um, but so basically he calls security on Jeannie and has her dragged out. And then basically it's implied that he goes on to murder Winston the monkey with electricity the end yeah and but and then just in that last moment we get a shot of winston in reality so to speak in his cage basically going 
in reality, friend, friend. Uh, and then it's like cut to black. <laughs> this the, the 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 last five minutes of this was directed by Lars von Trier, and he just decided to like dance in the dark, depress us, and 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 it's done. It's over. There is no more. Winston is dead. And I think the moral here is don't don't kill monkeys. Monkeys are great. They are I... they give us great entertainment and have. And I don't know. I don't know what do monkeys do. They're great. Yeah, we evolved from them. I guess that's the moral that we're supposed to get from, like, you know, that this is a sad ending for this monkey and it shouldn't be this way. Um, and obviously this is a very moralizing episode that is ex extremely anti-animal testing. Um, to the point that even Freddy towards the end is, like, basically doing a little PSA. What does he say? Oh, oh, he, oh he says, everybody dreams. Think about it. And that's the, the most uh, brevity he has ever had and the most, like, actual thematic resonance what he has said has. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you. I actually, and, I, and maybe it was the caffeine that I was having this morning when I watched this, but I actually found that little Freddy Coda had a little ripple of emotion to it that I was not expecting, you know, and he's like, everybody dreams. And because, you know, Winston can talk, I think he's implying that regardless of whether or not this animal has sentience of, of one kind differentiating him from humans and animals, he's still a human life. And, um, and we shouldn't kill him says freddy krueger who used to just kill children indiscriminately so whilst i i appreciate your your moment of reflection freddy krueger you are still a murderer of children <laughs> yeah it, it's it's a weird line <laughs> He, Freddy Krueger, definitely. Freddy Krueger was on <laughs> was on Twitter. He'd be like, I'll watch anything as long as they don't kill the dog. That's Freddy Krueger. <laughs> no offense to my to my good friend Ryan Larson. Who, Ryan, who I love. Ryan, yeah, who I love. <laughs> Ryan, who I love. But again, I frequently disagree with. <laughs> um, he continues to maintain that Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, is not a slasher movie. And, you know, I just can't respect his opinions all the time even if i Look, respect him as a human yeah yeah i respect him and love him but that's madness <laughs> it really is anyway aaron what are your final thoughts about this episode monkey dreams was it a dream was it a nightmare or did it put you to sleep Look, it's somewhere in the middle. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a it's a waking dream. Uh it's a it's 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 a blurry kind of, it's it's a hangover. It's not so much a dream, it's it's just a hangover. And um it, it has flirtations of time well spent, but also it comes with a bit of a thudding headache. And um and I rest kind of squarely in the middle. I can see I really admire uh England's kind of real attempt to articulate uh, and, a, and a morality play of sorts. But I think the first half doesn't work, and yet I like it more than the second half. And again, it's because they choose Lynch as the primary character and not Genie, who actually has, like, the the moral kind of backbone of the piece at least aligned with the agenda of the, of the, of the episode. And mm. it doesn't work, but it's... But hey, look, that monkey is fucking amazing. It, it is such a performance. And when it's at the end going, friend, friend, I'm like, oh my God, that's actually really sad. Yeah, this episode goes in a lot of directions. Um, yeah, I would definitely say it's like 50-50 dream and nightmare. Like I would, I would not trade Barney the Mafia goon for the world. 
um, nor Winston, but mostly yeah. everything else m- minus the like creepy incest, which was kind of fun to analyze. I, I like, you know, I could leave it all the, the rest of it at the side of the road and not ever miss it. Hey, and the lamps. Let's not forget the oh, swinging yes, lamps. Yeah, yes. the lamps and the, and the Congo like beat. <laughs> the what? <laughs> the Congo line. The, and the and the Congo beat that kind of permeates through oh, the second half no, as well. That that can go away forever, and I would <laughs> I, I would be okay with that. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Aaron, where can people Brennan. find you out on the internet? Where can people find your books? Where can they do all that shit that you would love for them to do, and that they would love themselves for doing? <laughs> I am all here to help you love yourself. Uh, I am, uh, you, the best place to catch me is on Twitter. Uh, I'm at, at Aaron Dries, D-R-I-E-S, or go to um, AaronDries.com. You can get all my books. They're on Amazon, wherever good books are sold, which is the line that people say. Um, but uh, my advice is probably just search me online and you will find me. I'm kind of everywhere. Um, uh, I've got four novels out, a collection of short stories on the way. Uh, working on a couple of screenplays, and um, I'm I'm really enjoying the creative space I'm in. Uh, if I was going to recommend something to you, it would be A Place for Sinners, which also features monkeys. So if, if something always gets a yeah, something always gets a, an extra tick from me if it's if it features monkeys of some kind. So it was fortuitous that you assigned me this episode because um, I had one challenge and one expectation for this thing. It's called Monkey Dreams. I want a monkey, and uh, look. I, I was, I got more than I bargained for. Yeah, you got a monkey way. and you got a bunch of dreams. My word, didn't I just. <laughs> um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at It's Raining Brens and Instagram at The Burning Clem. Were you done? Did I interrupt you? No, I'm totally done. I'm totally done. <laughs> okay. Um, and well, yeah, Aaron said, check out a place for sinners. And I would say, check out house of size, which, um, has an irresistible hook and continues to be extremely disturbing. <laughs> um, <laughs> is it, is it, um, is it Winston under the vault uh, level five? Is that, is that the new category of disturbing that I should be aiming for? Oh, and you, you hit it. Like you are any, like throw a dart at a page of one of your books and I wouldn't recommend it. Like keep your books nice. Um, <laughs> But any of that is going to be more disturbing than the Winston scene. And that's a compliment, obviously. Thank you. Thank you. I actually want that on the cover of my next book. You know, Uh, it is, you know, it's that. That's it. Quote. Done. Done. (laughs) You've just been blurbed. (laughs) Look, it wouldn't be the first time. It'd be the only time I was proud of, though. (laughs) (laughs) When have you been blurbed? Are you allowed to say? And you weren't proud of it. When, um, give me, give me an example of 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 a of a throwaway comment that was taken out of context and slapped on a poster somewhere. Oh, wait, I wouldn't say it was taken out of context. It was for sure asked for. Um, but I w- I was working for Arrow in the Head, which is a website I no longer work for. Um, and this movie called Bad Kids of Crestview Academy wanted a blurb. Um, it's the sequel to Bad Kids Go to Hell, which is a mediocre horror riff on The Breakfast Club. Um, and Bad Kids of Crestview Academy, I thought, was not very good at all, but there was some, like, energy to it, and I believe there's a very campy performance from, oh, I'm gonna double-check, but I think it's from Gina Gershon, so that was for sure, like, worth checking out for her five minutes, um, 
And again, I'm double checking right this second because I don't want to. <laughs> nope. Yep. That was her. Um, as a senator, by the way. Oh wow. Um, so basically, I said something about how it's like something non-complimentary but generic, like "Oh, truly deranged high school movie," you know, where it's it's true but it's not like glowing. <laughs> Um, but the thing is, and it did end up on the back of the DVD, which is very exciting, but it did get attributed to my editor. <laughs> oh no. Oh, the burn. I know. It, that was not his idea for the record. Yeah. Um, they just fucked up real bad. Um, but I was like, you know what? As proud as I am of this, like, you know, being on the back of a DVD that's in Walmart, I could probably aim higher. <laughs> Look, then I, I bad want you to Crestview Academy. I, I want you to not give up on your monkey dreams, Brennan. Don't give up, okay? Thank you. Um, yeah. Anyway, our artwork was created by Henry Hall. If you'd like to support trans artists, and you should, you can send him a commission at henryhall.design. Our theme song is "Living in a Dream" by Pseudo Echo. Uh, next episode. Um, in this follow-up to Bloodlines, which, Aaron, I'll, I'll have to clue you in on that. I forgot to tell you that it was a sequel to another episode because I didn't realize until halfway through. <laughs> um, but teenager Lisa agrees to swap babysitting duties with a friend as a favor. She discovers that a relative who's locked in the family's cellar wants revenge, even invading her dreams to get it. Okay, well, that's not a very well-written one because it's very uh, misleading. But anyway... See you on Friday for that. And until next time, sweet dreams, everybody. Bye.